It's time to sit down and relax for the good, the bad, and the sequel Q&A with your host, Doug. Hey there, Doug here. I hope you're staying safe. This week's interview is a lot of fun. I think it's the first time it's with someone that has been in a previous film that we covered. Uh, She was in Samurai Cop 2 Deadly Vengeance. She played Takashi. And it's the amazing Lisa London. Lisa was such a blast to talk to. During the conversation, I found out new things about her. Because I do research on folks, but there's only so much you can find online sometimes. But man, she is a, she was in a hit group called The Pinups in the 80s. So that was really fun, and I knew one of the songs. We talked a lot about growing up. Her dad was in radio and inspired her to get into being in newspapers and... Yeah, she's been so many great things over the years. Hots, which is the female version of Animal House, which is a cult classic. We interviewed her for her small role that she had in Sudden Impact, but that had a big impact on her career. That was the first time she did a drama role, and she had the opportunity to work with Clint Eastwood. So before I start this week's interview so you can check her out, I'm also going to put her IMDb in the notes because she is so busy. She has so many things in production right now that are coming out this year. So you got to make sure you keep track of her because she's great. And also, you got to check out all the movies that she has out right now. I'm going to put all the links in the episode notes so you can check that out as well. She has one called Acrylic, another called Choke, another one called Heartbeat, and Body of Night, which is currently on Amazon Prime. And then over the next month or so, they'll all be available on Amazon Prime as well as Tubi. So here is Lisa London. I'm great. How are you, Doug? Great, great. Thanks so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. It's rough at dinner time, so this better be good. <laughs> oh, I hope I hope I am good. So yeah, so now I won't keep you too long. And uh, thanks again. So, so what I like to do with these, really, I, I love hearing how people got started and where they grew up and what inspired them. So just like any good movie, there's a great beginning. So where's your story begin? Where'd you grow up? I actually grew up in Palm Springs and Hawaii, and I'm a native Southern Californian. I was born in Santa Monica, but raised in Palm Springs, where my dad actually had a middle-of-the-road radio station, and he was um, an announcer and a newscaster and a sportscaster. He was pretty well known for being the first announcer that the Angels baseball team ever had. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, he was the voice of CBS radio for the Bob Hope Classic for like 30 years. So that was his big, big deal. That was an international broadcast. And I grew up on the radio, so I know what to do. I know not to nod my head when you ask me a question. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. So he, he did he bring you into the studio and you were able to see the ins and out? Literally from when I couldn't talk. And I had my own radio show when I was in high school And I actually had a bunch of big um, interviews when I went to college at Arizona State, um, Marvin Gaye, the Ohio Players, Bruce Springsteen, that I fed to local CBS radio that was broadcast all over the place, too. And then I interviewed all the major tennis players when I was still in high school. um, And that was like broadcast internationally, CBS. That was what's now the Paribus Open, but it was called Indian Wells back then. Oh, wow. That's so cool. So Bruce Springsteen, that's my guy. I'm from New Jersey. That's pretty cool. Well, how, he's just about everybody's guy, I think. Yeah, he's pretty yeah. great. No, that's pretty cool. Well, awesome. So so how did it get, when did you, you were doing all this, when did you think about, I want to get into acting? I literally 
knew what I wanted to be from the minute I was born. I always wanted to be an actress. That was like what I always dreamed of doing. I mean, we have home movies of me at four years old, writing and directing and starring in these home movies that my father shot so beautifully, I might say. But I never pursued it. Like I was never in a drama class or anything because I also really loved um, journalism and broadcasting. And I that seemed to be like what was occupying my extracurricular life, even though deep inside, all I ever wanted to do is act. So finally, when I was 19, I broke it to my parents on full scholarship in college that I didn't want to stay in college and that I really wanted to pursue acting in Hollywood. So my dad gave me two weeks to book something. (laughs) Otherwise, I had to continue on in college. And I lucked out and basically... I got a list of what I thought was production companies. I didn't realize they were post-production companies. And Kaleidoscope Films, which was one of the biggest trailer companies, coming attraction companies, the owner saw me and thought I was just so young and naive and he didn't want me to get eaten by wolves. So he hired me. And within literally days of working there, I delivered a script to Ray Stark. And Ray Stark put me in a big trailer for uh, California Suite. So I knew I could do it. And that was like my little inkling of, okay, yeah, this is good. And then within a few weeks of that is when I got the role of O'Hara in Hots, which is the female version of Animal House, cult classic, and the rest was history. <laughs> yeah, so awesome. So how long of a process was that for like the auditioning for that? It's it's sickening how easy my beginner's luck was. Really? I literally, I read for it and didn't even have a callback and went away to Texas. I think my boyfriend at the time, yeah, I was from Texas and we were there for Christmas and I'll never forget this because his parents were just lecturing us because he was he was actually a really accomplished songwriter at that point, but he was also trying to get his own record deal. And his parents were lecturing him how hard it was and how, you know, we had all these pipe dreams and it was before cell phones and the phone rang and it was my little sister tracking me down to tell me that I had the lead in this film. <laughs> <laughs> So it it was literally within weeks and it's, you know, it's kind of amazing when you start starring in something that becomes something that you're known for, for the rest of your career. It was pretty amazing. What did your dad say? Did he say, I can't believe she did? Oh, he was thrilled. He was I'm sure thrilled. he was. Yeah. But the, the two biggest things I think that really, really floored him. And I'm so happy that he was alive for the last one too, but when when I booked my first dramatic role, which was with Clint Eastwood, opposite Clint Eastwood, and he directed me too. It was in his Return to Dirty Harry, Sudden Impact. I love that movie, yeah. That blew him away. That He was like so thrilled. And also when I did Law and Order SVU just a couple years ago, my daddy was still alive and he was just, he was crying. He thought my acting was so great. Oh, that's <laughs> so, that so was, cool. He didn't even, he goes, you were like another person. I mean, it was it was pretty wonderful. Oh man, that's so awesome. Yeah. So that was the first thing I was going to ask you about was working with Clint Eastwood because that's, that's amazing. It was amazing, especially since it was literally my first dramatic role, my first dramatic audition. Cause all I had ever done before that was comedy. Oh yeah. That's and he's true. such a professional and I learned so much from him and his respect for actors and, and filmmaking and, and just his professionalism was just, it was really, truly a wonderful experience. 
on every level. That's great. So when I do this, a lot of, obviously, there's, you know this, there's a million movies out there. So before I talk to somebody, I look up and down like their IMDb and click on movies. And one that really caught my eye that I did check out uh, was Private Resort. That is a really yeah, cool movie. It was a really cool movie. And it was like all of our, well, it was my third film. I think it was Johnny Depp's second. It was Andrew Dice Clay's first. It was Rob Morrow's first. And then we worked with some, you know, just killer veterans like Hector Elizondo and Leslie Easterbrook. And Michael Bowen was in it too. And he was just in Breaking Bad. I mean, it was like just amazing actors and actresses. And we were on location in the Florida Keys. And I got to do all my own crap balls, which is so much fun because I play this absolutely just dreadful drunken girl who's having an affair with with Johnny Depp to get even with my fiance who I think is ignoring me and that was Andy Dice Clay who's a doll actually to work with oh that's so great and you know what's even funny when I looked through the credits I don't know maybe because it was one of his early probably acting his name's Andrew Clay on there I was surprised at yes that. yes it was his first film yeah yeah Uh, Yeah, that doesn't surprise me that he changed it more. He was already doing stand-up. He was getting known for stand-up already. But that was his first acting. And now, God, he's so great in A Star is Born. Oh, yeah. No, he's he's hilarious. So, yeah, so that was pretty cool. And then another thing, another movie that I feel like I I saw it on, like, Joe Bob Briggs' drive-in a long time ago was Savage Beach. Oh, God, yeah. One of the Andy Sedaris films. That was a trip. I mean, just shooting in Hawaii, you can't go wrong there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and again, I worked with, you know, a, a great veteran actor, John Aprea, in that one. And just Andy Sedaris and his his absolute wonderful, I mean, the quality of his films was like watching it in a film. It looked so beautiful. And then, you know, it gave young actresses this amazing chance to play roles that were you know usually reserved for men <laughs> so yeah it was pretty great yeah that was a lot of fun and then the movie guns is that a sequel to it because i know you had the same role no it's, it's i know i know i know that's what andy does he just he doesn't care that it doesn't make sense that it was kind of in reverse or whatever but yeah that was a different one that i did with eric estrada and danny trejo also in hawaii and yeah <laughs> and i would have done a lot more but andy sadly passed away but he sure was amazing. Yeah, I saw. I saw. Yeah, that was a young Danny Trejo. That was probably early, really early in his yep. career. Yep, I think that's one of his first films too. Yeah, because his story was, I think he was like helping somebody out that he was, uh, and they asked him to train. It was a late eighties movie. I forget the name of it, but his story is pretty neat. Yes, it is. So over the years, just up to this point in your career, is there any roles that you had that were some of your favorites, maybe ones we didn't talk about. I know you're, you're in Dragnet, Death Blow. Well, yeah. Well, I honestly mean this when I answer this question. People probably think I'm just kind of, you know, trying to get out of it without naming names, being prisoners, whatever that thing is. But I honestly fall so in love with the character every time I get one. Because first of all, it's it's such an honor to explore human nature and bring life and light on situations that you wouldn't know. And like, I mean, a lot of the roles I played, I didn't know anything about that type of a person until I did it. And I just, it's like an educational experience for me every time. And then 
I, I have been so blessed. I mean, I've really worked with such great people, whether it's a huge A film or, you know, the lower budget. I mean, I just did the morning show, which is Apple TV plus yeah. new, you know, huge series with Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston, and Steve Carell. And I, got, I have the honor of being directed by Mimi Leader, who is just the bomb. And just, it was just one of those things where everything just seemed to perfectly fit. I mean, down to um, having to do, you know, the sound, the looping when you're an actor, it's actually a nerve wracking thing because you're always so worried that you're going to mess up your performance by not getting your, your sound perfect. And we nailed it on the first take and it was like, okay, this is joy, pure joy. Just to be in something that great is just, it's, it's truly an honor. So that's one of my favorites right now. And then also I've been doing a bunch of Amazon Prime movies with this amazing director, Gregory Hatanaka. I did Samurai Cop 2, Deadly Vengeance with him, which was a huge international hit in theaters and everything. And and now I'm doing a bunch of these kind of psychological thrillers. And, and they're, they're I did one that's like this fabulous black comedy and I have the lead in that and it's called Choke. And it's surreal. It's like, it's like literally... An, acid trip brought to life it's i'm so proud of it and i can't wait to see it and that's gonna be coming out in 2020 and i'm doing a bunch more for him as well and then i get to work with one of my best friends who's also a director and great actor corbin timbrook and i did a movie for him do you see me that i um got to go back to the Cannes film festival i star in that and it screened there it was amazing and we just shot another movie last year that I just have a little cameo in, but um, I think we're doing sequels to that. I'm oh, crossing my awesome. fingers, but yeah, and that's called Why, and that's not out yet, but he's amazing. And it's just, you know, each thing you do, I mean, getting to do Law and Order in New York, that Law and Order SVU, that was like amazing to shoot in New York. And I got to shoot a huge commercial in Poland and Czech Republic. It's just, it's, you know, I'm I'm so blessed. I'm shooting a series actually in Texas, um, outside of Houston, a beautiful little place called Conroe, Texas, with Lorenzo Lamas and Whoa, um, nice. Yeah, it's really cool. And that's Walker Cable Productions, who I adore them. And it's just each thing I do, it's just it's exciting. That's cool that you still have that same feeling, you know, forty, you know, something years later. And maybe that was growing up with a dad that was like in you know, the industry sort of, you know? Exactly. And also, I mean, I'm, I'm so lucky. This is what I want to do. This is what I would choose to do if I had all the choices in the world granted to me in a wish, like the genie, right? <laughs> and this is it. So I get to live my dreams all the time. And if you're not happy doing that, I don't know what could possibly ever make you happy. And I'm also the girl. I am the girl in the new uh, Ed Sheeran, Justin Bieber video. And I, uh, I don't care. It's like a huge hit and it's got like a gazillion views. <laughs> and that's been a, a trip because that was something I did in my twenties all the time. And then to be cast in, in another music video at this point in my life, it was pretty cool. Wait, so what, what, what's the name of that song? It's called, I don't care. Oh, I got to check that out. That's oh, please cool. do. <laughs> so, so in your twenties, you were in a lot of music videos. Oh my God. I did a gazillion. I did one um, where Prince directed me. It was um, the time, you know, his band that was in purple rain. Yeah. yeah. I did one. I did Wang Chung. I did quiet riot. I did wow. a bunch of my own. Cause I was, I had a major record deal. I was one of the lead singers of a band called the pinups. And we were like huge in Europe and we were on every TV show from Merv Griffin 
to dance fever that you could imagine. And we were like crazy famous here for like a little bit, but still famous all over the world. But my dad loved that because um, it was during one of the Lakers playoff games and uh, Magic Johnson, every time they were showing highlight reels, they would play one of our songs because it had a line in it that said, you're just about magic on a magic night. (laughs) So it was pretty cool. And that was something that my dad was really proud of. Wait, so let's talk about that. So did you always sing? I did actually, which is really funny because I really consider myself an actress who can sing, not the other way around. Yeah. The soloist and the choir and stuff. And so, yeah, that was like the performing I did as a kid was mainly that, even though, and I love to sing and I love music more than anything, but I've never pursued music at all. That just kind of was handed to me, like kind of an unbelievable experience where a casting director, a friend of mine, Craig Campobasso, fabulous casting director who also cast me in a bunch of his movies, but he saw the audition for this international seeking of four girls, blah, blah, blah. And he said, you should go up for this. And I thought I did so horribly on the audition that I didn't even tell my reps anything about it and just took off from Mexico on a modeling job. And when I came <laughs> back, everyone was trying to get a hold of me. And I ended up doing this for like four years of my life. And it was incredible. Got to travel all over the place, lived in Germany. It was pretty cool. So that you guys are only around like together four years and you were able to be that big. Yeah, it was really ahead of its time. I mean, we sounded like the Pointer Sisters, even though we were four white girls. And that was before people, like it didn't matter what color your skin was, you sang what you sang. But in those days, no, they like had everybody in a little box of like soul was here, pop was here. And I think we also uh, were in lingerie, went before Madonna we performed and we almost got banned from the Merv Griffin show. I think it was crazy, but, and, and it, it, the music was really good. I mean, it, it, it holds up to time. Definitely. Well, I'll be checking that out. No, that's really cool. Especially that. And just the way you're describing it, it's like almost like the way they put put together, like, you know, the, the boy bands. I wonder if that's like, what it was, it was that exactly, except we were really good. And it was, yeah. I, I say mainly <laughs> because we had the most amazing choreographer because she stylized us to like be more like striking these amazing, bizarre theatrical poses. It was, it was just, you have to see it to, to get it. Cause it was really different. It wasn't like anything that was out there at the time at all. Oh, so look at the pinup. You got it. Oh, I see it here. Cool. It's on my, yeah. And it's on my Facebook page. Um, oh, okay. London awesome. fan. Yeah, and there's actually a Pinups Live uh, page on Facebook as well. And you had three albums. That's awesome. We there were three different groups. We actually had one. Oh, there were three different ones. Okay. Yeah, but ours was the only one that made it to America, and the only one that was successful. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes the truth hurts. <laughs> do you ever? Do you like? Are you in contact with the other girls? Oh, I'm totally still great friends with Tegan Taylor, who also does her own music now with her husband. I think they're called the South Carolina Regulars. Really great music. And she's also one of the top makeup artists in the world. And I also keep in touch with Glennis, who's a fabulous romance novel writer now. And she's married to the bass player, Rich Campbell, in America. And we almost started to get back together to do a live album with Rich producing us, but everybody's schedule got kind of crazy, but I still hope that really happens because 
there was a lot of heat and a lot of people really wanting us to do it. And sadly, uh, one of the girls that was a pinup that actually Glynis replaced, Angie, she was married, Johnny Barbada, an incredible drummer who was in the Turtles and Jefferson Airplane. He was just amazing. And she passed not too long ago. And that that's always like a really hard one when someone that close to you that you love and admire so much leaves this earth. But we just got to know that she's still out there. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure because you bond so much, especially traveling. Yes. Yeah. You're yes, in hotels. Yes, yes. And... Exactly. Where was one of the, like the, in your eyes, like one of the, for you, like the coolest place that you got to perform? Uh, it was probably at this club called Vogue in Frankfurt because it was like the hottest place on the planet. And everyone from CBS Records internationally was there. And they they threw like an, a humongous party for us to launch us. And it was just one of those evenings that will just be one of the best nights of your life in so many ways. And I loved Germany. Oh, yeah, I bet. I would love to be able to go over there. That's pretty cool that you're able to experience that. Yeah, I see your album right now. Cool. You're in the top right of the album cover, right? I think so. I don't have it in front of me. Okay. <laughs> I forgot where I am. But yeah, it's, the album cover is so cool too because it was like a take up on the Beatles Let It Be album. Yeah, no, that's really awesome. So, so look at it. You do, you do it all. You act. And- I, well, I don't dance. I do not dance. <laughs> and I've been cast as a dancer a few times. And it's, oh my God, it's so nerve wracking. I can't even tell you. But I do have a great memory. So I, I managed to somehow get through it. And so go back. One of the things I had in my notes that I skipped over before, but when you're talking about Choke, with that, you're, you're a co-producer. Is this the first time you've done producing? No, I've produced a couple of things, actually. I mean, the first thing I ever produced, it's pretty funny because I thought, oh, wow, this is easy. This will happen all the time. I was, um, I had this incredible friend who's like a big sister to me for life, April Campbell Jones, and her and her husband, Bruce Jones, they were um, big comic book writers and artists, and they did adult graphic novels. And one of their scripts was turned into a movie called Prey of the Chameleon. And I ended up introducing them to someone who brought in other monies. So I got production credit on that as well. And then I produced a food show with my sister um, that uh, was directed and produced by um, Fred Goss and Eric Beck. And Fred's done a bunch of stuff with Lauren Michaels from Saturday Night Live. And he's a huge sitcom guy. And he's also got this thing on Jeff Bridges right now. I think it's like a streaming podcast about dreams or something, but it looks wild and great. And anyway, we, we, we had tons of success in the fact that Maury Povich's company wanted it right out of the bat. But it was kind of like, a again, a genre. It was with my sister and I. And it, it, at that point, there were no food shows like ours, which kind of had the format of Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown. Yeah. So it was, again, ahead of its time. But um, I did that. And then I also produced theater for five years straight. And we did some of the most successful commercially and critically small theater productions in the history of L.A. And it was incredible because my husband and my best friend, my husband, Barry Saddles, and my best friend, a wonderful actor, and also Sal Landy, they directed them and I produced them. And my gorgeous partner was Jamise Haft, who was a big child actress and and now she's this amazing yogini with her husband. They 
they are helping people all over the world with their fabulous podcasts and stuff about yoga and Ayurvedic medicine. It's just, it was anyway, it was just this amazing group of people that we did these productions for five years. It was just like fabulous, but so much work that I had to take a break, especially since thank goodness I'm shooting so much now. Yeah, I know you have a lot of things that are coming up. So since you've done pretty much everything, I know you say you don't dance. What what are some <laughs> other things that you that you, you want to do? You seem like you like to try a lot of different things. I'm so ready now to take on anything that I would would have a few years ago been afraid to do. So eventually, yeah, I want to find something totally personal to me and champion that and try to get that made into a film or a TV series. And I just want to keep doing what I'm doing because I love it. <laughs> and I love the travel involved and I love the people. And it's, it's, it, I always say this, that it's an extremely noble profession when done right to make people feel and, and connect and relate to each other and just to make people laugh. And I mean, in, it, even in like the darkest kind of film, like a, um, like the Scorsese film, The Irishman, that's out right now. There's still so many poignant, wonderful, whimsical moments, even in something like that, that can be, you know, just violence if it's done wrong. But there's when, when there's humanity brought to the surface, I just think that a lot of positive things can happen from that. Yeah, I can definitely, just from talking to you for, you know, 25 odd minutes, just the way you dive into every role, like you said, you fall in love with every character because it's something new to you. I, I think you'd be great at directing because I feel like you'd be so committed to doing it. Uh, oh, I, I love producing. I do. I love producing, like organizing it all. But directing doesn't have my name on it, as they say, because I'm not a control freak, but I have such my, my, how am I going to put this? Okay. So my, my, the way I see things and the way I hear things, are so exact and specific that when I'm being directed, I can fulfill all of that and become that and adapt and do it. But I don't think I could articulate without giving someone just a line reading, which is like so offensive. And <laughs> so I'm not what a good director ever does. No, I have the utmost respect for brilliant directors because that's something I really don't see myself doing. But, you know, I never say never. Maybe one day I will. I don't know. Yeah, well, you've done... I'm like 100, 120 years old or something, and I, <laughs> I, I can be chill enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Lisa, this has been so awesome. And I love that because I didn't... It's not like I would know any of those things about you. Just obviously the roles that I've seen you in, but... The singing and uh, your dad being in radio and you just, before you could even talk, you know, you were surrounded by it. And I think he really helped you out having you around all the time. Thank you. Thank uh, you. A lot of fun. I do too. I do too. <laughs> and he was able to enjoy some of the, you know, the, a couple of the things really hit home with him. That's cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, awesome. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. I do appreciate it, Lisa. You're welcome. That was a lot of fun. Man, wasn't Lisa awesome? So much fun, so much life, so much energy. It was a lot of fun. She loves what she does, and you can tell the way she talks about it. All right, so now your homework is, and I don't think it's homework because homework's never this fun. You get to watch Clint Eastwood 
reprise his amazing role as Harry Callahan in Sudden Impact. I think it's the perfect way to follow up Joe Marshall is Harry Callahan. I don't know. Completely different, but lots of fun. You can find Sudden Impact everywhere. Huge film from the 80s. So that's your homework. And also, make sure to review, rate, share our podcast. Tell all your friends. Also, follow us on all social media at Sequels Only and our new website, SequelsOnly.com. Good night. <laughs>